we're not in that top ten percent where we're really like enthusiastic, um, full of tenacity, determination, as well as patience, and really enjoying everything that we're doing. Um, so I, I, you know, today's session, this particular topic, not just in my opinion, I think in the opinion of many in this room, is something that's very real. Uh, it's very real, and it's something that many are struggling with right now in terms of something that leeches a lot of our time uh, in Christian consciousness and in life in general. And uh, I want to actually uh, start with some statistics because I think digital media, I know we call it spiritualizing social media, but social media is a very specific way of looking at I'm looking at digital media broadly, whether it's social media itself, WhatsApp, um, entertainment, the internet, anything, anything which is digital, which you can access very quickly, we're covering in this seminar in terms of when I'm using the term digital media, it's pretty broad. Okay, I'm going to share some statistics just to give us a reality check. Reality check in the sense that, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we still used cassettes. Okay, Guru Maharaj left in 2005. We still had a tape ministry then. I remember recording the cassettes from cassette to cassette on a high speed mission and thinking that was really advanced technology. Okay, and those big MP3 players, they were, this, they were like bricks, had come out. So it wasn't that long ago, and Anura, you know, when she was four or five, by then, everything had become digital. And she found a cassette, and she said, Mummy, is this an antique? This <laughs> 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 was around just five years ago, so times have changed really fast. What we thought was quick moving before has now just become normal. And not just normal, but it's saturated our lives. You know, even while the Kirtan was on, so many people were on their phones, including me because we've got used to digital media. Um, so I'm going to just share some stats. So more than half of the global population are on social media. This is just social media. It's not even including those people who just use digital media. That's over 4.5 billion users. That's 57.6%. Every year, 400 million more users join social media platforms. That's a 10% increase annually. Um, there's lots of stats in terms of which is the biggest user. Facebook is apparently the most widely used with 3 billion users. Um, the average person, again, this is just social media, so this is just like your Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook. We're not including Netflix, email, uh, online browsing and shopping. Just social media, two and a half hours on average spent on social media per day. Well, add, that, add to that Netflix. Okay, Marge was actually really astute. He did a program on Monday with um, the KC Stock Core team. And he was very realistic. He gave everybody a wake up call just by being frank. He said, you know, um, think about the time at night when you're alone in the evening. What are you doing with your time when no one's watching? It's very easy to pull out the Netflix. And what are you watching on Netflix? He, said, he was actually talking about this austerity of waking up early and he was ex expressing that the austerity is in going to bed early. Because in the evening, in our quiet time when we're alone, often the things that we bury with busyness come up in the evening. And that's been what's been difficult over the last years during lockdown. We've not been as externally busy rushing around, whether it's rushing around doing service, work, entertainment. Um, so the mind's throwing up lots of stuff. And we find it difficult because we find it intolerable when we see the stuff in the mind. And so we just want to push it down. So it's no wonder that we're looking to digital media because it's quick. Seven platforms used per month on average by each user. Platforms. 
There used to be a time when there was only one platform and only four TV channels. 25% <laughs> of 16 to 64 year olds have used the internet to check health symptoms in the last week. 82% of people use online media for the news. 64% use it for television. 56% only for social media and 24% for print media. I, we don't live in the UAE, but apparently 99% of the UAE are active social media users. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Apparently, in a year, approximately 30 billion hours are spent on TikTok. That's just in America. 30 billion years. That's 30, not billion years, billion hours. That's 30 billion hours. We're doing a whole lot of other stuff. You know, so this um, this whole topic of spiritualizing social media is important because digital media is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. I don't see people suddenly revolting and they get rid of this. It's useless because people have found it has made their life convenient and not just convenient. But you know what's the most used hashtag in digital media? Guess. What do you think? What's the most used hashtag? Love. Love. Oh, connection. Does that surprise you? It is the biggest leverage for anyone and everything. Okay? We use digital media to learn how to cook, to be loved. But the biggest accounts, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, he's a footballer, right? He's got the biggest Instagram account, like 377 million followers. Does he even know that many people? <laughs> it's like nuts. Why? All looking to see, oh, I want to be like that so I can be loved. Okay, so there is, uh, there is a hook. That hook is love. Connection. And because we can't get away from it, it's really important we understand it. Okay, when there's a war, what do you want to understand? You've got to understand the weapons of your opponent as well as the defense. When Arjun and the Barnabas were fighting the Goros, the Goros army was way bigger. Not just because of their own armies, but they had Krishna's armies as well. And the first thing Arjun does is say, can you take me to the middle of the battlefield so I can see what I'm up against? So sometimes as devotees, in the name of service, what we end up doing is we say, okay, anything can be used in Krishna's service, it's all neutral, so let's just dive in deep and just, just, just use it. If a child isn't trained to use a knife, you wouldn't give them a sharp knife, would you? Right? And yet, we've all just said, yeah, anything can be used. And, so, and I hear it so many times that digital media is neutral. It's up to us what we do with it. There is no such thing as neutral. And Krishna says this. I'm going to share four verses from the Gita. Okay? Four verses. It's chapter 10, verses 37 to 40. And I'm going to go backwards from 40 to 37. <clears throat> there is no being existing, no being existing, either here or among the demigods in the higher planetary system, which is or who is free from these three modes born of material nature. So we're talking about ignorance, passion, and goodness. Okay? So, and as so I'm going backwards, that happiness which is blind to self-realization, which is delusion from beginning to end, and which arises from sleep, Laziness and illusion is said to be of the nature of ignorance. That happiness which is derived from the contact of the senses with their objects and which appear like nectar at first but poison at the end is said to be the nature of 
passion. And that which in the beginning may be just like poison, but at the end is just like nectar, which awakens one's self-realization, is said to be happiness in the mode of goodness. Now, everything, Krishna says, there isn't a single being, and if we look around us, when he gives us the more in-depth analysis of the modes of material nature in chapter 13 and 17, he talks about everything. Food, your faith, okay, the way we sleep, the, everything, our relationships, where we put our worship, the way, we, the way we're determined is governed by the modes. Okay, to the point where our nine process of devotional service, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, etc., our nine processes, there's actually 81 different types of devotional service because of the influence of the modes. Because our attitude is affected by the modes and the way we perform the action is affected by the modes. Right? And as well as that, we then have, of course, our, our devotional service in pure goodness when it's transcendental to the modes. So that's a lot of different types, a lot of different combinations. So for us to say something like, oh, digital media is neutral, we're shooting ourselves in the foot, because Krishna is saying very clearly, nothing is neutral. Right? So just the same way he gives us this understanding of the modes of material nature. What's the, what does he mean by modes of material nature? Forces. He's, he explains that these forces are always acting, and they're always competing. Yeah, they're always competing for our attention. They're like ropes. If you've seen um, Prabhupada's small book, Laws of Nature, right? you've got the three modes of material nature, three women, and we, we're like puppets on a string, right, we're being pulled. They're like ropes, and these same ropes, when your hands are tied with a rope, that rope is still also your method of freedom. Because when you understand how the rope's tied, what can you do? You can unknot it, right? People who are, um, Houdini, he was an escapologist, right? He could undo his hands without looking. Why? Because he knew how the knot was tied. That's the trick of the illusions. They know how everything's tied. It's got like a mental image. In your head, the knot's a spaghetti junction. In his head, he's got an intricate plan. Right? So it's really important we understand this. Because if you think about it, digital media was designed for what purpose? Was it designed by an unconditionally loving purpose? If a person who just only wants good for us? Was it? No. What do you think the motive of people who design digital media is? Money. Money, yeah, what else? Use it more. Influence? Control? Control. Some, someone said something else here? Same thing. Consumption. Consumption. Consumption, yeah, okay, give me more, yeah. Power. Power, right. So that falls in, what does that fall in? Rajagun, right? That's mode of passion. I want to be satisfied right now, okay, even if it means poisonous in the future. And what does it lead to? More and more hankering. Anybody who's used digital media, all of us here, yeah, I don't think there's a single person who's used digital media and not been trapped by this. Even though it gives you a quick hit, you just can't seem to get enough, right? So this, this um, digital media, the way it's been designed, it's been designed to, actually, it's interesting how it works, because it brings us happiness in the mode of passion. We get a quick hit. But then it drives us to ignorance. Why does it drive us to ignorance? Because we move from being actively engaged, yeah, this is great, whether it's your candy crush or your movie or your likes or your hearts, right? Every video, drop me a heart if you agree with me. <laughs> Give me a thumbs up if this resonates with you. Tag this person, right? Let's connect, let's be together, right? This is the whole, yeah, yeah. Give me a hit, and another one, and another one. 
it's, it's, it's actually it's pretty addictive, but it feels very active when we first start. And then before you know it, it takes over. And that's, that's ignorance. It's a mode of ignorance where we passively then just consume. And if you think about it, and when we get to the exercise, I'm going to get you guys to really think hard about this. If you're honest with yourselves, you've all been caught up at least once. Where you started off doing one thing, and you don't know where the time went. You started off maybe with something Krishna conscious, and you ended with, I don't know, your favorite comedian. Who knows? I don't know where you end up. We're watching a makeup video. I'm not just looking at the girls. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, so, um, I, I, do, I do want to, um, I do want to um, make a point though about this word media or medium. Anybody have a definition for what the word media or medium means? To explain it. Like a middle point between where you are and something you need or want. Okay, a middle point. Like via medium. Via medium, okay. Anyone else want to have a Artificial communication. Artificial communication. Mm. Not sure about the artificial but communication. Yeah, because medium could be a transcendental communication as well, right? Is it a way of influencing others with a particular thought or way of thinking? Yeah, yeah, nice. So all of these have been nicely put in the dictionary in one concise sentence, which I was like, oh my God, that explains it so perfectly. The intervening substance, the intervening substance through which sensory impressions are conveyed and physical forces are transmitted. The digital medium is a medium we can't see, but it is that intervening substance, those waves, through those waves, sensory impressions are conveyed and physical forces are transmitted. And actually, if we think about it in terms of energetically, that's not so hard to understand, right? Because if you look at any unseen force, sound, light, okay, electricity, okay, um, Electricity, maybe not so much. But definitely sound and light, particularly sound and thought. It travels through ether. But this is what Wi-Fi travels through. Okay? It travels through a space, a vacuum. Now, in that vacuum, all three modes exist. It's almost like there's a highway for Tamagun, a highway for Rajagun, a highway for uh, um, Guna, and, and a highway for transcendence, depending on what we see and hear. Right? Don't, don't we always speak about this with the Maha Mantra? That the Maha Mantra is a sound vibration that is so piercing and set at a wavelength that can quite literally transform the mind, it can transform the body, and it quite literally transforms our heart so that we wake up. So equally, if we're looking at digital media and it's been designed by those who have rajasic and tamasic motives, what highways are we riding on? The Asuric highway. Okay, we talk about demonic divine. What does asuric mean? If you had to give a palatable explanation of what asuric meant, because demonic sounds a bit mean, but right? nobody wants to be told they're demonic, or they spend hours a day doing demonic activities. So how would you say asuric in a palatable way? Nice, something that moves away from godliness. Brings you to your lower nature, okay. You want to say more about lower nature? What do you mean? Okay, so it, it takes us to energies which are getting away from our higher purpose or higher being. Anyone else? So lower vibrational state. Okay, 
And what's the problem with having a low vibrational state? I mean, look at look at Gantz and uh, Raman and Hiranyak Kashyapur. They knew the Vedas. They were really powerful. They were demons. But what's the problem with that? If you're on the internet, you're going to get possessed. Actually, there is a truth in that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I read it in the spiritual part as well. Yes, yes. So, yeah, if we're, if we're on the tamasic and, uh, well, especially the tamasic gradients, also rajasic, yeah, we're more, more susceptible. What else? What does a surik mean? If I say we're riding a surik highway, where do you think that's going to take you? Away from Krishna? Away from yourself? Where do we go when we go away from ourselves? We just go towards the false ego. Okay, so so it's um it's dangerous. It's dangerous by nature. It's not neutral by nature. Okay? So even if we have divine contact, there's uh, sorry, not contact, content. Even if there's classes, even if there's lectures, videos, kirtans, etc. It's wonderful that we have transcendental content out there. We need it. We need to be on those um, in those media, and those those vibrations transcend that. But when we're going out there, if we don't understand what we're riding, which highway we're riding on, we won't be properly protected because we'll think we don't need the protection. Right? If acid rain was falling from the sky and you didn't know it was acid rain, you're going to go sing and dance, and it's going to be wonderful. And you run out there, and you know your hair starts melting and skin starts burning, it's not going to be pleasant, is it? But if you know it's acid rain, it's not the same as regular rain, you'll protect yourself properly. So why is it so attractive? So we know there's a connection, we know it's very quick, we know it's satisfying, okay? And also, one thing that's attractive is we can have many egos. That sounds complicated, but actually for us it can be very attractive. Why? What's the number one reason we uh, tend to have communication, I'm sorry, not communication, relationship problems with each other? Communication is one. <laughs> what else? Lack of knowledge of the self. Lack of knowledge of the self. Yeah, I was gonna, basically you don't know yourself. Okay, so, so we don't know ourselves, yeah? Therefore you can't relate to another person. Okay, so we don't know ourselves, so we can't relate to another person. If we don't know ourselves, where, that, where can that often lead us to? We feel what? In your difficult relationships, we feel misunderstood, right? And when we're misunderstood, we are constantly striving to be understood. We're striving to be authentic. Who here has more than one persona on social media? Right? Okay. Now, I know lots of people keep one professional one and one personal one. How many here have more than one personal one? They have one for hobbies. They have one for a specific hobby. Now, I mean, I know some people who have four, five, six different accounts. Okay, the more, uh, it seems the more popular they become, the more accounts they need to start, you know, sectioning off the different levels of intimate, intimate circles, you know, like concentric rings. You have intimate, really close friends, and you have the next one, the next one, and you're revealing different, different layers of yourself. And so you need all these different accounts. Now what happens is if somebody has a difficult relationship or gets has problems in a particular friend circle, what can you do? Shut your account down and open a new one. Okay. So this idea of having many false leaders can seem attractive. It's one of the reasons gaming is so popular, 
isn't so immersive, you can have an avatar. I know so many people who spend hours gaming, and they end up having gaming addiction, but they really struggle to relate to friends at school or at work. But when they're in the gaming environment, oh, but gaming's really important to me, that's where I meet my friends. They're not meeting their friends, they're meeting an alter ego of their friend who usually looks nothing like their friend and has superpowers <laughs> some alter ego that they, their friend doesn't have in real life. So it, even if we know ourselves, will other people accept us, right? So it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's attractive but causes problems. Um, so before we move into an exercise, I just uh, want to speak a little bit about, and I hope you can hear me from there, but I'm gonna take the, should I take the mic there? I hope you can hear me from there, but I want to just share a little bit about, and, and this might get a little bit, a little bit technical, but you guys are smart, it's all right. <laughs> a little bit technical, but I want to just go into some of the ways, psychologically and neurologically. So we've talked about the modes, um, we've talked a little, about, little bit about uh, the impact on our spiritual life, which we'll do more on later. Uh, but I want to talk about the impact on us psychologically and neurologically. Why is it that a room full of intelligent people who have access to the highest philosophy have uh, chosen to ride the Asuric Highway? Okay. Um, even if it's a service. Okay. So. So why do we keep getting caught out? I hope you can hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, Josh, can you hear me all the way there? Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> maybe I'll, will this move any closer? Shit. Yes? Yeah. I don't think I'm as good as Mara sorting out mics. <laughs> okay. Right, okay, that might be... It's just in case. Okay, so... We were talking earlier about this whole idea of, uh, because it's designed with rajasic and tamasic motives, so then we are connecting with those wavelengths, that energy, uh, when we are plugging in, just even if our content's divine. Okay, that's, that's what we're saying. I'm going into a battlefield where I'm up against those two modes, all right? How does it work? How is it that a bunch of smart people with the highest philosophy available still get caught. Why is it that we can't go, right, I've done my service, I'm switching it off, I'm, I'm off to do my deity worship or chant or whatever. Why is it that we can't switch off? Okay, now we could, the short answer could be, oh, it's because we're not pure devotees yet. But that doesn't help us from where we are now. Okay, so I want to break it down. So first one. So we have a reward center in our brain. Governed by dopamine, amongst many other okay? Dopamine is the, the neurochemical. Because the thing is, if you think about the mind, right? As devotees, we know the mind is not local to the brain. But there is still part of our mind that is governed by the brain. And we, there's no point in trying to escape it. Because if, if our minds were independent of the brain, then we would all be able to walk around with no sleep and function absolutely fine. So we have a reward center in the brain, uh, which and dopamine is that mediator, it's the messenger that makes us go, yeah, I did it, I've got it, I'm good, you know? 
I've achieved something. With digital media, you achieve things very quickly, to the point where you find yourself hitting the same thing over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how much Prabhupada describes you're chewing the tube, you keep chewing the tube. Why? Because your brain tells you, yeah, you did it, you got it, you're winning. And what ends up happening is it becomes like a drug addiction. But you're addicted to your own drugs in your own brain. It's not coming from outside. Right? The reason drug addicts get addicted to drugs is because those drugs mod re-modify, okay? they change the neurochemistry in your brain. So you become dependent on having a certain level of a variety of neuro neurochemicals active, the ones that make you feel good. And what happens is when you don't feel like that, you get irritable. So just think about it. Next time someone tells you you can't have your phone, or you've forgotten your phone, there's a little bit of... <laughs> <laughs> so what happens is um, so we get addicted to the chemicals in our own brain and not only is that dangerous that it's our own stuff but the other thing that's dangerous is the most socially acceptable drugs are the most addictive think about this in the UK why is there a massive alcohol problem because it's socially acceptable. Not just socially acceptable. Anybody who's been to uni or goes to uni, you look around you, people celebrate being drunk. People celebrate doing silly things when they're drunk. You know, to a point where other countries look at the UK and go, well, you guys are so strange. You know, so being on social media and being on it as a community, whether it's for Netflix or for Instagram, whatever it is, it seems to be, because it's normal, we seem to think it's safe and it's not an addiction or it's not a problem. And that makes it more dangerous because it's socially acceptable. Okay, so we have to, this is the thing Maharaj was talking this morning about um, associating, associating with each other. So, so part of associating with each other is setting parameters about what is socially acceptable. So if as a community we are kind to each other and can point out to each other when we're doing too much of something that's dangerous, then it becomes less socially acceptable. The hardest thing for us to accept when we have an addiction is that we have an addiction. Someone tells you, oh, you use your phone too much. What? No. Right? It's for service. I was just checking this message, right? So, okay, the next thing. It's immersive. It's immersive actively and passively. What do I mean by this? <clears throat> So, digital media is immersive actively because if you look at your screen, it is designed, the way it's been designed is that many of your thoughts and senses are attacked at the same time. I say attacked because you are, you're bombarded. If in real life you had that many images, sounds, um, stimuli, all thrown at you at the same time, you'd all run away and hide. Okay, there's a, there's a, if, if you've ever done any online shopping and you've been browsing, what you'll notice is you go to the next page, which is completely unrelated. A pop-up will appear of the last piece of clothing you looked at. Now, have you ever been to a high street shop, looked at a shirt, and then the shopkeeper, when you've left the shop, the shopkeeper's chased you down the road with that shirt? Has, has that happened to you? No. But on the internet, that's what it's like. In real life, that would be socially unacceptable. But on the internet, it's absolutely fine to just completely bombard us with everything. So it's actively immersive. 
right? So we get overwhelmed. And it's, but it's also actively immersive because it's constantly changing. Now it's interesting, in the Shimon Bhagavatam, it talks about how in the heavenly planets, one of the reasons the heavenly planets are so um, wonderful to be in, is here, our enjoyment lasts for a free, few brief moments, right? You um, smell a flower, it lasts for a few seconds. Then you walk away, you go do something else. In the heavenly planets, flowers will change their fragrance when you need it to change. When you're bored, they'll change their appearance when you need it to change. So the internet does exactly the same thing. As your desires change, what's sent to you changes. It's like a real-time self-modifying drug. That's dangerous. You know, have you thought, thought about that? How everything you need seems to be presented to you. Okay, so, and then there's also this, this the, the thing with the passive uh, side, passive element of it, is with the active side, it's affecting our conscious mind. Now, I'm, you know, I think a few times I've spoken to you guys about the mind in terms of there's a subconscious, there's an unconscious, and there's also then the conscious mind. Now, the conscious mind, easy for us to work with, but it's only 10% of our mind. 90% of our mind is subconscious and unconscious. This is where even um, every, everything we're exposed to. Okay, Marjorie was talking about becoming the new you by changing your actions, your desires, your thoughts. Those change based on what we expose ourselves to. Okay, so passively, there are sanskaras being laid down in our subconscious and unconscious. Right, so the next time there's a trigger in your conscious, it'll bring it up, it'll just strengthen it. So it's, it's this, this whole immersive experience is um, really shaping the way we, um, what we desire, where we place our thinking and feeling, where we place our intention, then changes our actions, which is definitely going to change what rewards we get or punishments, right? Our life will change before us, both actively and passively. Um, how we are on the Asuric Highway when we're in digital media, that we're literally being controlled without realising. You know, this rajasic and tamasic force is really, really very active by nature within digital media. Um, there's just a couple of things, other points I want to make before we go uh, into the exercise. So we're also given an illusion. Given by... This is an illusion. Why? So, they collect data, right? Constantly you get cookies requests. Can we have this? Can we collect this data, that data? How many of you skip it? You don't filter it, just go ahead. And it makes you think, yeah, they want my information so they can tailor everything more to me. They're thinking of me. You know, they want me to have the best experience. And you get really happy when in your feed all Kirtan videos come up. Or, you know, classes come up. Yeah, I'm such a devotee, you know. <laughs> You get embarrassed when in your feed something else comes up. Why has that come up? What's it picking up about me? But it's actually not just driven by us. It's very much driven by them. Because if they want to, they can magnify an account. And if they want to, they can also minimize and get rid of an account. There's a few of our gurus that I've spoken to who had very good active accounts. And then all of a sudden, their accounts just went dead. They didn't do anything. Their media team didn't do anything differently, and it's almost like Instagram or Facebook just shut it down. Like, we're just not going to send you any more traffic. So, is that driven by us or is it dictated by them? 
you see? So there's a, there's a reason. Uh, and again, the agenda is usually this, okay, rajasic and tamasic. So we have to know what we're up against. And then last, last point, because I don't want to bombard you either. Sorry, um, So, okay, I don't know the um, IT side of it, but if you think about it, with all of these um, big platforms, if you think about how Google operates, or this, okay, <laughs> um, if you think about how Google operates, Amazon, Instagram, whatever, they have these big headquarters, okay, and they have lots and lots of people sitting at computers monitoring everything that's coming in and going out. Okay. And if they see uh, an account that they feel, we don't want this to grow anymore, they can shut it down. They can literally put algorithms in so traffic just doesn't flow anymore. And if they want to magnify what you're doing, they can send more traffic your way. It's but how ads work. You can either pay for it or they can decide themselves. So the last point on this bit I want to share is neurological rewiring. How long do you think it takes for us to form a new habit? 48 days, anyone else? Any other offers? 30 days. 30 days, 21 days. 62. <laughs> okay. Because there's so many of us, so such a variety between all of us, to form a new habit or for something to become automatic. Marjorie was talking about this this morning, for something to become automatic. You know, you've seen the example of the driver, um, where driving becomes almost, it, you're so good at it, you've done it so many times, you don't even have to think about it. It takes between 66 and 254 times of doing something for it to become automatic. Hands up if you have used digital media over 264 times. That is everybody in this room, okay? Except maybe Marish. <laughs> so so, two, so we've, we've, our brain's been rewired. I'll give you a very simple example. Who here has their phone as their alarm clock? Right. Think back to the days when you had an alarm clock. When you woke up in the morning and your alarm went off, did you pick it up off the side table and just look at it? Such nice hands, beautiful. Look for half an hour, did it? No, you just got up and got ready. You might have slept in a little bit more, but no, now we have these alarms on phones. Oh, a notification, oh my gosh, is that what's happening? Oh, I better respond that, to that now. I mean. It delays you from going to the bathroom, brushing your teeth, and then all the other things, deity worship, chanting your rounds, really, and, oh, I can't get up early in the morning, or I'm really busy in the morning, I don't have time to chant rounds. Busy doing what? Right? This is the thing, when we operate on the subtle realm, time passes us by differently. Okay? Just like when we're asleep, we're in a different time zone, and we can do things not just in a different realm, but at a different speed. So similarly, when we are on the you know digital highway things are not working in real time they're very dissatisfactory that's all we have to keep doing again and again and again that's why a million hearts don't feel the same as a hug this is why you can be completely immersed for an hour and a half on your phone just after your alarm goes off and feel like you've done a ton of stuff but you haven't even got out of bed yet to get ready I know I'm being a bit real and a bit harsh, but it's, this, is, this is reality. And the, the powerful thing about just saying things out loud is we just drop that karma by saying it out loud. Because we get empowered because we're being honest. Okay, by bringing it out of the subtle realm and vocalizing it, 
What happens is karma, when it's at the bud stage or seedling stage, it gets dropped, it gets cut. You know, this is part of humility. Part of humility is honesty. And when we can't be honest about the things we're struggling with, they stay buried deep inside and they just grow and they grow and they grow. So this simple issue of alarm clock and phone, it sounds so simple. It sounds so simple, but it's such a powerful, effective way to just gain back some hours. I'm going to say two more things. Okay, that's it. And then we're going to go into an exercise. Um, you know, for us as Vaishnavs, it's... Uh, even when we're careful about the content that we watch. Okay, and, and to be honest, I think as a group, as a community, I feel like devotees are getting less careful about what they watch because it's becoming normal to color outside of the lines. Okay, I remember back in the day, you wouldn't even own TVs. Okay, the only reason I got television was, um, you have to get a TV if you're gonna to preach to the big wide world, how are you gonna do that if you don't know what's going on? And I, out of instruction, got a TV now. So you don't need a TV because everything's just there in this tiny little thing. Okay? So, and as devotees, what it's meant is that our barriers of what's acceptable and unacceptable, what's healthy and unhealthy, because unacceptable makes it sound bad, but what's healthy was what's unhealthy has changed. So what ends up happening? Okay? We end up compromising our principles of freedom. We might not be doing them on the bodily platform, but if you look at digital media, they're not making a movie thinking, oh, we've got to think about the four eggs. <laughs> you know? This is making a movie. Well, let's, let's do whatever makes people have an instant emotional hit, an instant visceral hit, right? Emotions also, you feel them in the body, right? One of the reasons we get immersed in movies, especially where the sound is loud and the images are very strong, is because we get like a multi-sensory experience, right? We feel the emotions, we feel like we're there, your body feels alive. Some people live by movies. I've heard people, they will, oh yeah, we're getting together to have a you know, 12 hour binge of this series. This is devotees I'm talking about. And I'm not gonna mention names because there's no point because it's so widespread. There was a time where you could think of one person who did that. Now it's like, okay, there's quite a few people who do things like that. So th this is the thing, it's, it's, it's planting seeds. And I know that's heavy, and uh, maybe it's going to make many people feel uncomfortable, but those seeds get laid down. And seeds grow. When they're watered more, they grow. So we just have to be really careful because we can break regs vicariously. Okay. Um, we also, I think as devotees, we end up having more relationship problems and miscommunication. Because on digital media, we can't communicate intent with the tone of our voice, with um, the emotional atmosphere we create around us, in that intimate space that we have with someone. You know, when, when I, when I um, do assessments, I know for the last two years, so many assessments have been done digitally, and I've still insisted on doing as many as possible face-to-face. -face. Why? Because it's unrealistic to be able to connect with someone just from the shoulders up. So much is going on in the body. The screen doesn't allow um, the unspoken to be heard. The buffering delays the communication. You see, there's no eye contact. We speak so much with our eyes. Right? So for us as devotees, it's wonderful we've been able to access kirtans and classes from around the world. But honestly, as Marge was saying, you know, when we're together like this, 
the collective consciousness it binds much more and it's a catalyst. So I have an exercise for you which is going to be a simple exercise but hopefully a wake up call. Um, and after the exercise we will look into kind of developing the adhikar to enter um, the world of social media and digital media in such a way that we know what we're doing, we're protected and if we have the adhikar to and um, the desire to, we can also use it for service, healthily. So, I have some questions for you, and I want everybody to kind of think about the answers to this question as if you never have to share it with anyone. This is just for you and that piece of paper, or phone, or whatever you're typing on. Okay, and these are very simple questions, but they're, it's literally like a, we're running a group, okay? We're having a little group rehab session here. <laughs> We're just going to lay it on the line, just say it, lay it sick, for ourselves at least, where am I at with this? Because we can't clean until we look at the dirt. Nobody does clean with a blindfold, right? If you clean with a blindfold on you, you're left with a big old mess and patches. So first question, very simple. Okay, just a quick assessment for yourself. How many days a week do you use digital media? Not just social media, I mean um, internet, Netflix, WhatsApp, Instagram, whatever, any platform you can think, it's digital, it's on a screen of some sort. How many days a week? And each day, how many hours? And be honest, include everything. If you're at school, include the hours you're on digital media for studying. If you're at work, include work. Just include all of it. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, that's good. That's good, because that means some work is being done. Now, what I want you to do is for the, that block of time, okay, and especially if it surprises you, I want you to split it up in terms of purpose. So you know how we were talking about the most searched uh, or the most used hashtag in digital media is love. Love, okay. But love can take many forms. Love is about connection, and we connect through many functions. So what I want you to look at is how have you made use of your digital media time in terms of what ways do you connect. So split your, you can do a circle and split it into little slices of pies, or you can do a list, whatever you prefer. Um, categorize in terms of work, service, Entertainment, if you see work and service are the same thing, that's no problem. Um, Socialising, education, and anything else that I might have left out. I've just kept broad categories there. Because these are the main reasons work. Service, entertainment, socialising, education. Now, if you preach using digital media, wonderful, but that would come under a guest service. And please include all your different accounts. If you have many accounts and many false egos, then uh, count all of your false egos. How much? Because the thing is, the more false egos we have, the more false egos we have to maintain. It's a lot of work, right? You have 
to maintain every single persona of yourself. It's hard work looking after one in this world. <laughs> looking after so many personas, um, it's, it's, it's difficult because each one needs investment. Otherwise, people will stop looking at you. Is anyone here feeling uncomfortable? Good. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, I know I said get in the mood that you're doing this exercise as if you never have to share it with anyone. I'm not going to ask you to share details, but in this mood that we're here to not just learn, get educated and inspired, but actually to make a shift so that we can go more deeply into Maharaj's teachings over the next few days and the other seminars we have. It would be nice to remove some of this block. And like I said, some of it gets removed just by being honest. Turn to the person next to you, and not you don't have to go into details, but I want you to answer one question with them. If you were to modify with one simple step, and you know what your realistic next step is, the best next step for you, because there'll be something in that list that you can go, I can actually do without that. I really don't need to do that. How many hours a day or minutes a day would you gain back? And then I want you to work it out per week and per year. Because remember, what did we say? 30 billion hours a year, just on one platform. That's just in the USA. So for you, we'll calculate it. Because when we realize the cost of what we're doing, we're Indians, yeah? Something costs us. We want to get back. So work out the cost. And share it. Share the cost. What will you earn back if you cut down? You don't even have to share what you would cut down or what you do. That you can keep private if you want. If you want to be open, open. just talk to each other. Spend some time talking to each other, please.
we feel deprived of this satisfaction. And so it's like a drug. And we get addicted to almost our own biofeedback in the brain. Is that okay, Marish? Um, somebody else had something on this? It was just a reflection, actually. The, the point you made around the illusion, how we really are being manipulated, so we think it's our choices, but a complete, uh, yes, a complete illusion. So, but then not only, and I'm sure you know this, not only is it the things you're clicking on, but they're also, because they're all connected, Meta, Facebook, and yeah. WhatsApp, they're listening to what you're saying as well, what you're messaging, and so the bombardment is actually very, very smart uh, in terms of hooking you in, and how quickly it then comes if you do click on something. So recent Formula One final, I was on it and I clicked. Now I'm getting like a full feed of Formula One going back like 10 years. And I'm clicking on more and more because I'm really interested in it now. And, and, that's, and that's my entire feed now. Um, but we were just saying about how it's such a rabbit hole, how it's unbelievable. It's like I'll just watch one more interesting race from five years ago. And, and you can then spend an hour doing that. So yeah, the point around time was really interesting, how much that point you made though about how they're listening and they tailor it, doesn't that feel personal? But it's pseudo-personalism, because they don't actually care about us. But it feels personal. Oh, you tailor-made it for me, you're so kind. The drug dealer in the street came and told you, yeah, I've got drugs in this packet. They're just for you. Oh, they'll only work on your brain. You feel special, right? <laughs> I think we're laughing because, you know, did you know that humor is also rooted? We laugh at things that are true. That's why a lot of comedians will make jokes about politics and sensitive issues like racism and sexism because we're, it, we find it easier to process things, the truth, when it's funny. So we'll, we laugh when we hear something actually, yeah, that's true. So it's not by chance that it's designed like that. They know, okay, everybody wants love, everybody wants to feel connected. Let's personalize the manipulation. Let's make it. Just for you. Uh, um, yeah, so something that I uh, was reflecting on with Krishna Gupta was, um, you know, sometimes I'd be watching a class, say, you know, Hridayananda Maharaj explaining something, and um, there's something I call a black hole, where like, you'll be watching a video with good intentions, you, if you're using Krishna consciousness, and then suddenly you see a uh, you know, suggested video on the side, Lionel Messi, greatest assist. <laughs> 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 that was interesting. And you know, it's the principle of Jaya Sovitayam, yeah. Krishna says, you know, that we may still have good intentions, but because it's there, it's bombarding our senses. We just, and you end up going in this black hole, you click on that link, and then some other suggestion will come up. And it's like it can predict yeah. what you're going to be interested in, you know, and it, it, it's intelligent. Exactly, but asura is our intelligent. That asuric energy, the energy that takes us, you know, the tamasic and rajasic, that takes us away from Krishna and from ourself and our relationship with Krishna is like that, manipulates, right? If we look again at Hiranyakashipura or we look at um, Ravan, they knew the Vedas. They knew, they read way more than any of us have in this room. But they manipulated it to move away from Krishna. And so Maya was saying in the morning about spending two hours like connecting verses by Radha Krishna and really having that focused energy. So I remember before the rise of social media <coughs> at university, my undergraduate degree was like you could focus on the work and I could be working, working, working. 
uh, with the constituent of social media now, I feel like, oh, I don't have the capability or capacity to do that level of deep work anymore. And you can see the real neurological effects of like changes in your behavior because maybe, maybe not all social media, I'm gonna be like too, like I wouldn't go as far as to say people have a sewage intention, but I would say that, you know, it has been hijacked. You know, the people who create it, I wouldn't go too far to say, okay, they got sewage intention, but I would say it has been hijacked by sewage energy as such. The, are you talking about content creators or the people who own the um, businesses? I would say both. I would say, I wouldn't say like, of course there's like a profit maximization motive, but many people that work in social media have said there are people that have like true purpose, that they do want to have like connecting the world and all these kind of big ideals. So although there is a case of they just want to profit maximize, there are people in the company that have started with the thing and how can we actually you know, help people through social media, but don't realize how it's, it can be hijacked by bigger companies that can use their platform. I'm gonna challenge you on that. The reason being is because I'm picking up that the word, the term asuric feels very heavy. And it feels horrible to call people who have good intentions a suric. But a suric just refers to a mode of passion and ignorance. Right? That, that is the, the, the modes in which the asuras fall. Right? So you can have intentions to connect people which are governed by, you know, just like determination can be goodness, passion, ignorance, it can also be shudsatva. It's the same. Your intention to connect people can be governed by tamas and rajas. So, I know that's what I was saying earlier, you know, please give me definitions for asura or demoniac, which is palatable, which um, you know makes us understand it in a way which doesn't feel so offensive. Yeah? I don't think we should deny the fact that the heavier side of asura is also involved in social media. Oh, absolutely. No, no, we're, we're not yeah. denying that. You know? <laughs> and what I'm just saying is we do have sattvic and pure devotional content on social media. It's just, it's more of a challenge. You know, if you know you're going in to an environment which is very anti Casey, you know your spiritual strength, I think that's going to be even stronger to be able to, to manage it. And yeah, I completely agree with like, all the points you're saying. Um, I remember when I was in sabbatical, Goronga once told me, we were talking about just self-help books yeah. and why you shouldn't necessarily even read self-help books, you should just focus on the Bhagavatam. And he said, um, I, but, and then I challenged him, I said, oh, you can use this in Krishna's service. And he said, yes, you can use this in Krishna's service, but can you use this in Krishna's service? Yes. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> that was a very powerful point. Like, people can use this argument, or you can use it in Krishna's service, don't worry about you. But, like, a dwindling devotee is going to be swept away by, like, the mode of material nature when using these platforms. Absolutely. I was just going to mention something about our um, Sandra recently. Um, like this is like Maya's trick that she's really efficient. And we were discussing this too. Like she knows what your temptation is, right? And she she's really efficient. So she's like, oh, you just need this thing to pop up in your thing and on your on your feed or whatever, and then your you that's your whole like few hours like in the morning or whatever. So related to that, like can you you know can you be honest? And that comes down to Adhikar, right? Which we'll go into. Anybody else have any points? Um. Thank you for your class so far. So I think it's it's super enlightening to hear like <clears throat> the, the difference that you're, you've been able to observe 
um, with social media's influence growing. But like as someone who hasn't been able to see that difference, like having kind of been growing into that age, I was just wondering how much is it possible to revert the effects of this um, numbing or increasing of like dopamine hits, etc. Because the state that we're like you're kind of exposed to it, or you kind of start off at a yeah. more of an extreme state because you don't have the previous. It's like being born a heroin addict. Sorry, in my world that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. People who are heroin addicts when they're pregnant, their yeah. children are addicted to heroin yeah. when they're born. Exactly. So it's uh, yeah. But the thing is, you know, and I was sharing this with Anora is that. Um, if you're born into it, in some ways you're also empowered to find the solutions to it. Because you know what it's like to deal with and live in that world. Just like my generation had a set of challenges, Maya came to us in a particular way, we found ways around, around it. Um, so you, you will find the solutions, but that solution will, those solutions will come with empowerment. It's got to come from a place that's higher than the place you're in now. You see what I mean? That energy, that, that wisdom, that catalyst has got to come from strong association. It's got to come from strong chanting. It's got to come from yourself and Krishna, not the false ego. It's not going to come from the false ego. The false ego can be empowered. It can be a channel. The mind can be a channel. Uh, and the mind is, you know, a mind which is conditioned is just a cesspit of desires. Future desires, current desires, past desires. But purified mind is a window to the soul. Okay, so this is, if, if, if we can not fill it with more garbage, that, that mind that we have can really, really help us to progress so much in Krishna consciousness. I'm going to um, just ask, because nobody actually shared how many hours they might be able to claim back. Marsha, can you put your hand up? Oh, you're just leaving. Okay, sorry. <laughs> 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 is anybody here putting their hand up? No, nobody wants to share how many hours they could claim back? A lot. A lot. <laughs> At least 45 minutes a day. 45 minutes a day, okay, and a week. Yeah, even if you average like one hour a day, that's seven hours a week. Seven hours a week times 52 is a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of hours. Chances. Uh, I worked out to 730 hours a year, which okay. is two hours a day. Thank you for not being shy. Uh, um, and just in relation to that, that um, it's easy, like you mentioned, in terms of digital, to you know, use service as an excuse, use work as an excuse, and then just open a tab on Google and space out. Um, when you're trying to do something productive and like a question maybe to follow up on that is the willpower to stop that from happening because you can have the awareness we introspect we realize 730 hours is a lot in a year mm. you could be doing a lot of spiritual things in that time and what's the willpower that we can use to stop that urge like, like uh, Shanghai Winifred's point you could be watching a class and you see Lionel Messi's top assists on the right and you want to click on it because the interest is there but the sincerity in the endeavor was never to have that intention mm. in the first place so how to keep that willpower of staying focused on your sincere intention. Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So some, a few things that I wanted to share. Okay, so moving on to this. So how do we, because it's not going to go away, all right, more and more, basically every generation now being born is never going to remember a time when we had cassettes and videotapes and CDs. It's all going to be antiques. You know, in fact, isn't it vinyl records now? It's like really cool to own a record player. And you're always like, oh, mum, can we buy a record player? I threw mine away thinking it was useless. I'm going to catch it. I don't even use it now. You know, so, so it's, um, it, it's, it's going to become more and more, okay, everybody's just being born, you know, with a telephone in their hand. 
so forget some of the screens. Here's your new iPhone. No, it is literally becoming like that. So because even for parents, it gets convenient. Oh, yeah, a phone, just get on the phone. No, it's okay, they're learning ABC. Okay, but then after ABC, what will they learn? You know? Do you know what I mean? What's the next thing? So I drew a diagram there. Okay, we are constantly, as devotees, balancing our humanity. All right? And humanity is a nice way to say also our false ego. Because it's temporary, it's transient, along with our purity, which is actually our real ego in relationship with Krishna. Both of these are very much dependent on relationships, roles, because even our, our relationship with Krishna, there's, we have service. We have a, a, a form, a personality. Uh, we have a particular service that is really natural to us in our service to Krishna. I mean, in our true self. So we're balancing, right? I, I hear in the room, I want to balance. What does balance mean? Oh, I still want a little bit of both. But actually, if we want to be devotees, we don't want to be in the middle. You see that smiley face in the middle? That smiley, that smiley face is us. Yeah, but as we roll towards, further towards actually purity and completely immersing ourselves in Krishna, it means letting go of this ego, or however many egos you've managed to collect. It means letting go of this mind. And that means not being scared to lose our mind and to lose this self. And that's a process. There's a step-by-step -step process. You know, and, and we're going to be, as Maharaj goes through the, the magic of sadhana, those activities of Krishna consciousness, even those activities we do in practice, okay, even if, way before you're even at spontaneous devotional service, anything like that, you know, those things are what give us strength. They give us strength. They don't give the false ego strength, okay? The false ego actually comes more on our side. Right, in some ways, in terms of whatever identities we have here become empowered and enriched because they're dovetailed in Krishna consciousness. Adhikara. Anybody know what the word Adhikara means? The right, what else? Qualification. Qualification. Permissibility. Eligibility. <coughs> power. Permission. Okay. So, with deep spiritual practice, and that's the thing, deep spiritual practice doesn't necessarily mean more time. Think about it, when your rounds are spaced out, don't they take longer? Yes. When your rounds are focused, the time's like, wow. Spending a lot of time, again, in, digital, in the digital world means you're up, even if you're looking at it ayurvedically, you're spending your whole life in Vata, okay? You spend a lot of time in Vata, it's very hard to be present. Okay, so then it's harder to be present. In your rounds. Neurologically, it's harder. If you have strong emotion for Krishna, fine. But if you don't have strong emotion for Krishna, we're still trying to train that brain, we're still trying to train the body. But, oh, why, why can't I focus straight away? Oh, this is so frustrating. I oh, can't do my round. I'm going to have to pace up and down. I'm going to run a marathon while I'm chanting. Well, maybe you drive when you chant. Maybe you watch something when you chant. You know, if you're honest with yourself, maybe you've caught yourselves doing these things. So, Adhikar, that power is developed through attentive. Sadhana. An attentive sadhana is like regular sadhana to an exponential potential. Because then we're fully receiving Krishna and Krishna really wants to look at us. If you're in a conversation with someone and they keep looking away right, while they're talking to you, would you go back for a conversation? No. 
So this, this, our spiritual activities um, actually change what we're exposed to. This move from the old me to the new me is about changing what we expose ourselves to. Okay, what we expose ourselves to in real time. So although we are in the midst of still the COVID pandemic and the digital world, there are still opportunities to meet in real time. And if you can't meet in real time, you know what's more real time than Zoom or uh, Instagram? is pick up the phone and actually just have a telephone conversation where you're just listening to each other. There's no, you know, you know, there's, you know when you're on a video call? How many of you look at yourselves on the video call? We all look at ourselves on the video call. You may as well just hold up a mirror and talk to the person on the phone. Right? That's what your video because there is an option to switch off the video function on the call. But nobody does it. You can switch off your own reflection. Did you know that there's an option that you can see the other person but you don't have to see your own face? Nobody switches it off, right? So you can stand there with a mirror and just make a phone call. Then you'll get bored very quickly and put the mirror aside and you'll be in there. So let's expose ourselves to more Krishna conscious activities in real time. Curate your feed. So really choose if you do have to be using digital media. Consciously make choices about what you're going to watch and what you're going to listen to. Don't just click on what automatically comes up. Now, what is the amazing thing about strong sadhana and good association is all of that, you know that list I gave you of the way social media keeps us hooked, even though we're intelligent, even though we have the highest philosophy, even though we have the best um, association, we still have the same problems as everybody else out there. That list, all of those things also apply to our processes of devotional service. When we engage in our process of devotional service, it hits the reward center of the brain, it hits the reward center of the body, and it hits the reward center of the heart. The spiritual heart. Even if we, our body and brain doesn't register it yet. Okay? So, and, and how does this do this? How does it do this? Because the Maha Mantra, because spiritual activities, spiritual thought form, spiritual intention is carried <laughs> in the ways of sattva and sattva and should sattva. Okay, those ways also flow through the ether. So everything, we can be completely permeated and saturated with this really beautiful, wonderful, satisfying, loving energy. And it gives us strength. We don't get distracted then. Okay. Socially acceptable. Let's be in a community where being high on Krishna's love is socially acceptable. Where actually being a nerd who doesn't look at their phone is socially acceptable. Where you can be the person who doesn't answer a message straight away is socially acceptable. Does that make sense? You know, let's get back to being a community where actually we really value purity over productivity. Because, you know, I'm in the same boat as all of you. We are of a generation and a culture where we really, really glorify productivity. But how many times do we say to a person, wow, that's all really amazing rounds you just chanted. Oh, I really appreciate the way you perform deity worship so attentively. It's also, our devotional service is, you know, by nature is immersive. And it's multi-sensory. Look at all our processes of devotional service. They are multi-sensory and immersive in real time. 
in real one person's genuine association is more satisfying than 108 million love hearts. Okay, I, I've had 108 million love hearts. It felt like nothing. Give me one devotee any day. And also, you know, this is, this is not a small thing. Our neural networks respond to the practices of sadhana bhakti. It's been proven. I've seen MRI pictures. Okay? People who meditate, who engage in the five pillars of spirituality that affect, that affect the mind very clearly. Those five pillars, I'm going to do them quickly because that's a whole seminar in itself. One is sacred space, regularly entering a sacred space. The second one is uh, making use of powerful spiritual practices like prayer, meditation. The third pillar is um, positive psychology. We call it spiritual psychology, though, right? The qualities, qualities of the devotee. Forgiveness, kindness, tolerance. The fourth pillar is a like-minded community. And the fifth and very important pillar, this is research, a collaborative relationship with God, where people have a relationship of awe and reverence uh, and a fear, actually it can be bad for their mental health. But where it's collaborative, which is what bhakti is, isn't it? We speak, Krishna listens, Krishna speaks, we listen. All of these things, they quite literally change your brain. The centers in your brain which have to do with fear, there are studies on this, they shrink. The parts of your brain that have to do with feeling satisfied and content and fearless, they grow. They literally grow. Gone are the days when people thought, oh yeah, at 18 your brain starts to deteriorate, it's all down. No. It's a... Uh, I was reading a verse, I think it was in Parvatham. It was describing how the setting of the, the rising of the sun and the setting of the sun depletes a person's lifespan. But for one who discusses Krishna's activity, this does not, time does not have this effect. Um, so let's develop this adhikarsh, real spiritual strength. So when we go into battle, we recognize that, okay, I see your weapons and I see your defenses, but mine are even better. I want to leave you with one last thing, because, you know, this whole that drives us towards social media is about connection and love. I want to say something. I want you to really think about it, maybe even afterwards. Our love and happiness that's derived from love is absolutely, absolutely based on someone else's opinion. But whose opinion are we going to give importance to? Sadhus? Guru? Prabhupada? Krishna, or 108 million faceless followers. So um, I'm going to stop there. Uh, if we've got time for questions, it's 3.30. Uh, any other comments? Ma Marge, are you resting or is your hand up?
probably want to relate this relationship. There was one more. Um, that was uh, uh, positive psychology, spiritual psychology. So this is the mindset of the 26 qualities of a devotee. So forgiveness, kindness, compassion. Again, those are researched. I mean, if you go anywhere in the world, those, those things are only now popular because wisdom is popular now because people are looking for something else, right? But actually, historically, the most deepest and thorough studies of compassion, tolerance, kindness, forgiveness, are sacred texts. You know, because if you look at, if I look at popular self-help books, they'll only go so far. Compassion will only go so far. You look at the compassion of Vasudev Dutt or Prahlad Maharaj, you put that in a modern self-help book, people are like, oh my God, I'm that, right? It's because if you don't understand the transcendental self, then there's a limitation to any good quality. Um, is that okay, Maharaj? Yeah. I think Kishin first, and then... Um, so, you're speaking about developing the Adhikara for the battle. Yeah. But is it, like, is it a battle worth fighting in the first place? Of, is it even... Is there much point to be involved in that ecosystem at all? You'll be involved to different degrees. I mean, there's lots of people who don't use any social media because we're just basically old and we don't really find it that interesting. But we use digital media of other sorts. Um, and uh, it may come up in our work as well. Other people may want us to produce things for it, for promoting um, various activities. So just because of the way the world is set up, I think it's inevitable. You know, if you live on a street, you'll have to cross it at some point. Um, I think you have to look at yourself. How much of what I'm doing is unnecessary? And that's why I got everybody to just do that exercise. Is if they look, how much is waste time is wasted on things they don't have to do? And if you understand that, you know, you're not glossy-eyed and don't have this rose-tinted vision of, oh, wow, you know, this is the way to go. We're going to change the whole world. We all have different... Um, when we take shelter of the spiritual master, we are empowered in different ways to go into different environments. And what does that empowerment mean? Empowerment means not just good wishes, but come with those good wishes comes the ability to execute. And so this part of Adhikar is permission. There are some environments some of us just shouldn't be going into, no matter how many rounds we chant because we've not got permission to go into that environment. It's like, I can write your prescription, right? Because I have the authority to write a prescription. But that doesn't mean that anybody who just grabs my prescription pad can do it just because they happen to have the prescription pad. So this is the, this is the power of having uh, permission. So with your mentors, and particularly with your shikshagurus and, and spiritual masters, I think it's important to get some guidance. Now, this doesn't mean they have to become our career coaches or our psychologists or therapists, but getting some guidance in terms of, okay, this is this is how you want me to serve, and this is how I'm also inclined to serve. We have that shakti of our nature, but we also have the shakti of empowerment, just like Arjun. Krishna didn't ask Arjun to do anything against his nature. In fact, he told Arjun, you're going to be compelled to act anyway. Right? Because even if you sit under a tree, you kind of want to protect these people and you're not going to want to be seen as a coward. He said, but if you do it for me, then you'll love me. And you'll remember me, you'll think of me. And 
you'll be immersed in, this is the thing, sometimes people ask, oh, how can we go out and always think of Krishna? Our thoughts follow our feelings. Think about it, right? It's when we feel anything very strongly, you can only really have thoughts that are consistent with those feelings. Now, some of us are very cerebral, we'll think first before we feel, others feel first before they think, but that relationship is the two are very tied in closely together. So, when we have deep affection for guru and sadhus, and then that also starts to translate to deep affection for Krishna, we can use that affection to drive our purpose, but still act with intelligence. Arjun wasn't shooting arrows going, oh, I love Krishna so much, you know, it's romantic. It wasn't, there weren't love hearts popping out of, you know, everywhere. <laughs> but he had deep affection for Krishna and he showed his love by acting for Krishna, even when it was difficult. Even when it was difficult. So, yeah, just assess the situation. This is what association is for, revealing our mind in confidence and having, you know, hearing other people out in confidence as well, with friends, fans, and heroes. Yeah? Ladies, you've been very quiet. I thought you guys would say more. <laughs> Anybody want to say anything on the side? I was just reflecting a bit throughout the talk, and I kind of, I, kind of, I kept seeing the link between my relationship with social media and the drug grow up. <laughs> that's just one of the things I realised. Uh, I saw most of like what Jenna was saying at the beginning of when I'm sort of trying to do like work for a long period of time. Sometimes, like if I get bored, I get uncomfortable with the fact that I'm bored and I want to switch to something else, and I grab my phone straight away. And so I wanted to ask you a bit more like of a practical solution to that in the sense that even if I delete social media or I'm not on it, even though I have I don't actually have something to look at, I get bored after doing like work for like three minutes and I'll look at it and even if the app is gone, I'll still try and find something else to look at. So I'll still be switching, looking at the phone, trying to get that fixed. Even though there's actually not something for me to look at still. And so I do that for a bit, I still put the phone back and I still be grabbing it. So that habit still sure. like is still like very ingrained in like Yes, yeah, good question. So the first step of rehab is acknowledging you have a problem. So we've all done that. Okay, we've also to some degree acknowledged the degree of the problem. The second step is finding a replacement. Okay, but you can't find a replacement. Actually, that's the first step. The second step is identifying what is this fulfilling in my life. So you said boredom. Okay, somebody else might say loneliness. Okay, somebody else might say anger. So this is something you can do in your own time. What is it that triggers you to go onto digital media? Is it boredom? Is it anger? Is it loneliness? Is it after you've had a fight with your parents or your missus or your mister? You know, it's uh, what is it that triggers it? And find an alternative to deal with that. So you find alternatives to deal with boredom. Right, and boredom is such a broad, it covers a lot of things. Right, boredom is not just an experience, there's an emotional side to boredom, uh, there's a physical side to boredom. Okay, it doesn't feel comfortable. What you're telling me when you say you're bored is, I don't feel engaged. But we can engage with switching off as well. We're really rubbish at that. Who here is really good at switching off and relaxing? Because it's always fresh, it's always changing. 
Your profile talks about how, I think somebody sent this out on WhatsApp, uh, how, it was from Shruti Kirti Prabhu. He was sharing how Prabhupada uh, held up Krishna book to him. And he said, this, this one book, this one book can make you fully Krishna conscious. And then, this one chapter can make you fully Krishna conscious. This one page can make you fully, this one sentence, this one word. Why? Because Krishna is contained in, if he's in every single atom and molecule and he is time himself, it's very easy for him to be in one word. He's completely in his name. So to the degree that we put in, to that degree we put back. So it's ever fresh, always new. It's exciting. You can go back to a verse 50 times and it's different every time. Isn't it? How many times can you listen to the same song over and over again and figure out? To get out of <coughs> material things don't give you that level of reciprocation, but spiritual activity is amazing, <coughs> and that's why you see so many devotees still here. Do we have time? I just want to ask because there's so many hands up. Uh, I mean, we have got a four and a half hour break or something like that, <laughs> it's a long break. Uh, I don't see any of the team, so you, you're taking the colors up. Okay, I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna give you your name in order. Uh, I think Kishan, and then Rajananda, and I'm sorry, I don't remember your initiated name. So pertaining to the development of the body and the mind. Okay. Um, so it's nothing to do with our spiritual advancement. It's just those activities we do where we're looking for some psychological development, emotional development, physical development, material development. But it always begins with action. And there's a consequence to every action. But before we act, we desire. Before we desire anything, we are exposed. You're not going to want to ever eat chocolate if nobody's ever exposed you to it. No one's born being hungry, oh, where's my chocolate bar? We were born with the feeling of hunger, but what for, we don't know, right? So first exposure, then desire, then there's the thinking about it, feelings, kind of meditating on it, right? Then intention forms. We start to make a plan. And then we act. And then there's consequences, consequences which are physical, um, psychological, uh, maybe social, and maybe even spiritual, depending on the action. And there's also a short-term, medium-term, and long-term. If you look at all of these stages and the build-up to acting, if we talk about something before we are ready to... So we, obviously, as we get further along exposure, you know, along that chain, it gets harder and harder to cut it. Now, we don't really understand that from the Maha Mantra. We can cut it at any stage, except once the, you know, the fruit's coming to us. Uh, and even that can be modified by Krishna. But um, when we're speaking about things, we can drop and change even up until the point of intention. We do it all the time. If you're, for example, I mean, a simple thing, you want to go to Mangalarti, right? And your every part of your body and mind is saying, and then your friend phones you. And you say to your friend, I'm really tired. Get out of bed. 
That honesty, what does that bring from your friend? No, no, come on, get up. Let's go together. We'll we'll both have black eye bags together. Let's just go, let's just go. You know? That changes your intention. Your intention up until that point, well, I'm going to stay in bed. Right? So all of us here, as we were sharing with each other, this is how many hours I spend on social media, this is how much I can cut back, just by being honest. Right? Just by saying, oh, it's there. Look. And the other person knowing it. Before that point, you probably would have walked out of here and done exactly the same thing again. But because somebody else knows now, oh, I'm a bit more accountable. <laughs> I'm more accountable. And we'll, we'll literally, our higher intelligence, right, our spiritualized intelligence, our strengthened intelligence, will go, don't do that. We just discussed it with everybody. We did it together. Does that help? So we're kind of current before we even act. And also we're learning, that's the other thing. Karma that's due to come to us because we're learning without the reciprocation coming, Krishna sometimes modifies the reciprocation. Because we only get a test over and over again until we've passed it. Uh, who was the next question I was doing? This was amazing. Uh, in this case, you stopped just listening. <laughs> it was fantastic, so thank you so much. Um, the point you raised about purity and productivity I found really interesting. About, you know, there's this drive to be more productive, but we don't congratulate people that are pure. And I was reflecting on that, thinking that one of the reasons is because our whole lives is about productivity, apart from maybe when we compartmentalize our spiritual life. So there we kind of celebrate purity, but everything else, even service related tasks and our schooling, our education, our work is all productivity based. Whoever's the most productive wins and i guess because like our economies are based on productivity so we celebrate productivity so maybe i'm extrapolating too much is that these social media companies have like the power to like fund so many things in the world and you know they're quote unquote the future of our economies so could you argue that you know like it's so hard to fight this onslaught knowing that you know AI and technology is going to replace so many things that we think are normal right now. Does that make sense? So, mm-hmm. like as devotees, one, could we be left behind in terms of our connection? Um, two, could it be that, you know, because our economies are based on kind of goods and services, you know, we need to get food, we need to get resources, we need to like look after the elderly. AI and technology are going to replace these things. So if we don't know about them, then we can get left behind. Is that? I'm just playing devil's advocate. I agree with. Yeah, but I don't think the point I'm making is we shouldn't know about them. I'm just saying we should know about them and not get consumed by them. Right? Because if if you are, um, again coming back to this point of adhikar, adhikar is also part of. It comes with training uh, and nature. If you have permission, adhikar, power, strength to be there you know how to navigate that environment. Um, so, but just this point of purity versus productivity, I think one of the reasons is yes, our Western conditioning does put a lot of emphasis on productivity and we bring that with us to this goal, right? The other thing is one of the reasons we emphasize purity, productivity and purity is we're not so good at recognizing purity. And one of the reasons we don't recognize purity is oh, frankly, we don't read enough. I mean, they, we've lost our cultural reading. Um, reading Prabhupada's books every day for one hour is normal. 
you know, 20, 25 years ago, you, you came and that is what you did. You know, now the ideals are, and, and the ideals are changing because everybody's trying to be so dynamic and keep up with the times that we're losing our roots. So we don't have, losing, keeping our roots doesn't mean we have to be out of touch with modern times. You know, and I think this other principle, I think it's really important to remember is, often as devotees, we think, okay, if I'm materially successful, I can do more for Krishna. But material energy never translates to spiritual energy, but spiritual energy can translate into material empowerment. Because if we use everything we have in Krishna's service, then Krishna gives us more. You know, we often hear how uh, when Krishna is really favorable to us, he takes away everything. But if we're giving him everything already, he doesn't need to take it away. He only takes it away if it's going to help us. So does that kind of answer your question a little bit in terms of for us keeping up and in some of the reasons why we focus on it? Thank you for your um, wonderful seminar. Um, I was thinking, let's say you're engaged in a service and the idea behind that service is that, that you do want likes. You do want followers because yeah. people are going to be um, engaging with devotional content. Um, at the same time, you feel like you're craving those likes and craving mm. those followers. But even though they're not yours, you're still kind of getting that dopamine hit and wanting that. But that's a little bit like even if we're doing real-time service, right? We, we're trying to represent Guru, we're trying to represent Krishna, but as a side effect of that, or a side benefit of that, we get credit as well, don't we? And then it's up to us as, as, as devotees, as sadhakas, to say, okay, well, let me be honest with myself. Yes, I really want to keep my intention unmotivated, unalloyed, um, uncontaminated, but I'm recognizing that actually I quite like uh, being recognized in this way, whether it's through social media or in real time. So if you go through the same processes, you know, acknowledge, okay, I still have attachment to this, because the sooner we, you know, the, the Attachment to fame and adoration and distinction, the reason, one of the reasons, there's many reasons, but one of the reasons it stays, it can stay right up until path, you know, it's much later stages, it's the penultimate stage before prayer, uh, is because what do they equate to? You know, people always think of oh, fame, adoration, distinction means, you know, big fame, no. Even just being validated, being noticed comes under that. Because we want to be, we want to be, we want to be, exist. We want to we we want to be in our identity, and when there's any wavering of that, you don't exist. You haven't been acknowledged. It hurts, right? Um, and so if we can weed it out earlier, it's better. The fact that it can stay till the later stages doesn't mean it can't be removed earlier. So yeah, just whether it's social media that's making you remember or feel like oh my god, I'm still craving attention. Uh, whether it's a real-time service, that's the person, again, devotee association with low mind confidence, with those you trust. You know, this um, point of friendship is really important because we often think a friend in need is a friend indeed. But actually, I find it's harder to find friends you can celebrate your successes with because envy gets in the way. Right? Sometimes it's easy to share your sorrows, but you share your greatest successes with your friends. And when we're being validated like that by people we love, then it becomes meaningless when it comes kind of in a superficial way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wrote it down just in case I forgot it. Um, you spoke about consumption of social media content. Um, at this point, it's more related to uh, Rasika Rice in sharing on social media. 
Do you think that there is an appreciation deficit which drives people to go and seek an easier way to get appreciated online? And if so, how can we create a better culture of appreciation for all devotees, regardless of what real work they do? Mm -hmm. I think there is a lack of appreciation culture. I think we don't take time to spend time together. Um, some, you know, Prabhupada said if we don't chant our rounds, uh, then our service is just ordinary work. Uh, and it fits with his statement that health and sadhana and service, he always puts sadhana before service. Right? Because that is the catalyst for transforming an ordinary activity uh, into a transcendental activity. So, um, but in that process, he actually spoke about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, fulfilling your physical needs, emotional needs, social needs, security needs, etc., before you can self-actualize. And this is why we also have Rupa Goswami talking about how devotees exchange with each other, six loving exchanges. When we engage, take the time to engage in those activities, particularly with friends, Prabhupada said spend 60% of your time with your friends. Be honest with yourselves, how many of you spend 60%? I mean, I think the younger generation today is better at it. Um, that you know, if you join in the 90s, <laughs> we now we're working hard to spend time with our friends. Um, so, yes, I think there is a lack of appreciation, but that's not because no one appreciates us. We don't take the time to appreciate others or receive their appreciation. Even when someone compliments us, how many times do you go, oh, no, 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 I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> but think about it. If you gave someone a gift, and they say, oh, I don't want it, take it away. You know, would you feel good? So we can actually accept people's appreciation with humility and with gratitude, and that nourishes us. That's not mine, you know? And there's a step-by-step -step process to letting go of this false ego. Actually, people who have healthy, well-grounded false egos, not unstable ones, find it easier to let it go. When you nicely experience something, my time is done with this, but I, right? When you haven't had a good experience, it's like, oh, I still haven't really, I haven't really tasted or experienced this properly. I just, can I just stay with this a little bit longer? Right? So this is why we want to have a, a, a healthy community, both within ashrams, between ashrams, different partners, with our friends, with our seniors, with our juniors, and... Krishna Kirtan, are you saying five minutes or stop? Five. Five, okay. Ah, okay. Jen, not sure. And then we'll stop. Is that okay? So I was trying to think of um, during Prabhupada's time, what was the equivalent of social media? And um, one thing that came up when I was reading um, Liramrita, um, there was a description of how Prabhupada described the magazines, uh, the glossy magazines, you know, that we see in newsstands and so forth. And, and he likened that to basically, they're so attractive yes. and so appealing, and, and, and that's why it's, it's Maya's best weapon, right? And then my other question that came to mind was, um, how, do we, how do we think Prabhupada would be using social media if he was here now? Wow. Maharaj, over to you. <laughs> what was the equivalent of social media in Prabhupada's time? Material world appears so real. Mm -hmm. No, 
himself was um, not really used about this, but he was quite close to his disciples who had an inclination and also a capability to use it after giving them uh, direction. I saw Prabhupada delegated a lot. on reflection I think a lot of things I gathered from your class and thank you for your time in class was that it's really hard to make a decision which favours our Christian consciousness our spiritual life because um, generally when we're hit with the mode of passion ignorance it's easier to go down that route um, and my question is then based around if these narratives are things that we're struggling with and the way to come, overcome this is through our sadhana but that's the struggle in itself then we kind of find ourselves in a paradox of I need to improve my japa but that's the struggle and that's the only solution to the problem I'm facing. Mm. How do we kind of deal with that scenario? I think Maharaj kind of answered that this morning, that actually that the easiest uh, aspect of Christian consciousness is, is association. Now, a thought came to my, my mind, forgive me Maharaj, when you um, answered like that, is that for some personality types, getting association is difficult, just because by nature they're more reserved, they're not going to stretch themselves to seek it out. So. Um, sometimes we have to be intelligent about how we uh, associate. So your personality type might lend itself to going and seeking people out. Others might want to look for that association within the sacred text because these personalities that we read about, they're real. Um, and to the degree that we remember that actually these, everybody in the spiritual world is actually our real associate. They're our real family. That can be very nourishing. But the other thing to remember is Quality of association can have transformational effects. I mean, on this retreat where, with Maharaj, and because of his heartfelt love for Krishna, it's transformational for so many of us. It's transformational. Just a moment's association with a pure devotee. That's all it takes. So if you're not feeling your sadhana, if your reading's everywhere, if your heart feels full of just stuff, and you feel overwhelmed, try and seek out association of, and if you can't recognize a pure devotee, at least exalted devotees, who you know, you know, this person really sincerely has some attraction for Krishna, because it's contagious. And I, I would say, don't get lost in this whole thing of, oh, they've got too many disciples, or they're too far away. You know, someone was saying, hey, oh, I'm in a female body. There is no obstacle to devotee association other than the ones we create in our mind. If the body you have, or the time you have, or the external relationship you have with a Vaishnav is going to be an obstacle in your mind to you serving them, then you won't get that service, you won't get that association. But if you desire it wholeheartedly, Krishna will arrange it. In, and I've seen it happen in the most magnificent circumstances where it seemed like it was impossible. Um, so association, find it, and hold on to it, and go back for more. <laughs> And on that note, we will end. <laughs>